A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 82 with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Well, folks, we did it. We brought rugby back to America. I can't believe it. Uh, the weekend was a big success for the league. All six games without a hitch, kind of a little hitch with old Glory Nola, but we got it done on Sunday anyway. And uh, the action was outstanding. Dan Power with you, joined as always by the professor, Pete Steinberg. How you doing, mate? How was, uh, how was your weekend? Um, my weekend was good. I was skiing. Um, so I was up in the mountains. Uh, but using the rugby network, you know, we, I, I had like this, this sort of weird hour in our room. But like we'd finished skiing. My daughter was watching a movie. My son was playing on the floor. And um, I think Yvonne was off sort of showering and I'm like, oh, get my iPad up. And there I was on the rugby network flicking between games, trying to yeah. keep up with what was going on. It was nuts, but it was great. Like it was great to be able to just put it up on my iPad and watch the games I wanted to watch. I mean, looking at the history of at launches, not just rugby, not yeah, yeah it, right. it was actually really good. Because it, it usually good. week yeah. one is a nightmare. No matter what industry it's in, it's like there are bugs and hiccups and they kind of iron things out. I know there was some troubles with Atlanta, Toronto, but from what I've heard, that had nothing to do with the app and nothing to do with the production. There was a, a, a crack in the feed, basically. Uh, someone had dealt one where they'd unplugged the wrong wires and the feed was <laughs> not getting through, but it was a remote thing, so it didn't count. But uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was great, although it was a little bit overwhelming. Like There was a little bit of like, what, what should I watch, right? And, and, and I would jump to one. I think I watched the end of the... Um, New York San Diego game and then I was like and I kept I'm like I've, I've got like two other games to watch I was, so it was it, it was definitely good and I you know I've been catching up I've been watching some of the games um, I love the uh, that the app has the like go forward 10 seconds that mm -hmm. like you can you can get through a game in like less than an hour if like you take all the dead time away so yeah that was uh, that's been that's been good but yeah yeah good good weekend um Rugby was exactly what you thought, like competitive games, which is great. Um, but it felt like preseason, right, Dan? There was like a little rough around the edges is how I'd describe it. Absolutely. I just, had a, I just had a business idea, Pete, and I want you to run this. NFL has NFL Red Zone. It's a channel that basically just comes onto a game when they're in the red zone going to score. The MLR Tri-Zone, hosted by the professor, you just <laughs> lock yourself in a room, you watch all the games on multiple screens, People click on the channel and then as something is about to happen, that one comes up and you kind of talk about it. Like, oh, yeah. look, Atlanta's in a scoring position here. Let's see if so-and-so can do what. And oh, I, I, I think that's great. I, I would love to be able to do like, because I know in the NFL, they've started to do like coaches rooms where you get a bunch of coaches yes. in the room to watch the game. 
and you could watch that. I think the rugby uh, network should have a coach's room. Now we could all do it virtually. Get 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 myself a couple other coaches like Mike Tolkien, um, other guys that have coached at a high level, and say, you know, hey, talk talk about the game that you're watching, and you could have that game going. You could have like three box of the other coaches talking about what's going on. Coach's film room with the professor. There it yeah. is, locked it in. Yeah, there it is. There's a guy who does the red zone, uh, not to promote the NFL, but eight hours straight. You've got to watch his routine. Like he doesn't drink fluids, coffee, nothing. The morning of NFL games. He's like, I'm going to be sitting here nonstop for eight hours. Oh, so he can't even do a pee break. No, nothing. Because the games in the NFL actually kind of cross over from yeah, the yeah, early right. to late games. Bit, right. So there's always, he, he never has time to go until I believe the late the afternoon games on a Sunday finish. Oh, it felt Sunday a little night. bit like that on Saturday with uh, with Major League Rugby. It's not always going to be like that if you look at the schedule. But for the first weekend, to have so many games going on, I mean, people have to understand the, the personnel it takes to pull this off. I thought the production teams did a great job. Yeah, everyone did a good job. Everyone deserves a little round of applause. There you go. And uh, who else does deserve a round of applause? It's uh, the rugby shop, shopmlr.com. Get on there. It's not too late to get your jerseys. You've got a chance to see the jerseys in action. So get on there and buy some jerseys. Yeah, and, and right now they're highlighting the Giltini's new jerseys that were just launched this past week. Yeah. Pretty flash, I think. I, I, I like them. And they're, they're, they're available. They're highlighted on um, shopmlr.com. You fancy a Giltini's jersey? Go, go, grab one. Which one would you get? Off the LA ones. Of the, you, you mean home or away? Yeah. Um, I well, I actually really like the white ones, but probably if I'm going to buy one to to wear, I'll, I'll, I'll buy the dark one. Yep. Black. I, I spill too much when I eat and drink to have too many white shirts. I eat and drink too much to wear a white shirt. So perfect. I'll get the black one. You get the black one. We can match. All right. Uh, American Airlines travel tip of the week. This is normally your unofficial American Airlines travel tip of the week. Yeah, no, they're, they're on board. We love them. They're great. Great sponsors. Um, you didn't travel this week in an airplane. You drove yeah, up to the mountains, right? Okay. I actually have a tip that has nothing to do with airplanes and you, you'll get a kick out of this one. Folks, when you're on the road, make sure that you have Uber or Lyft access to where you're staying. Because some cities, the further from the metropolis that you go, don't have coverage for those app services. So, Brian Hightower had a flight Sunday morning to get himself to Costa Rica for vacation. Obviously, the NOLA game moved to Sunday, so he couldn't stay and do it. I stayed to do the game. And I said, do you want the rental car? Do you want to drop it back in the morning and I can figure out how to get to the airport later? And he's like, no, I'm just going to get an Uber. Great. 4.30 in the morning, my phone is ringing off the hook. It's Brian Hightower. I need you to drive me to the airport. I can't get an Uber. So I spring out of bed, half asleep, half awake, and I'm trying to think, is this a dream? Am I really going to go drive Brian to the airport? Quickly put, uh, I won't scare the kids at home, but got ready to leave my room and then drove Brian to the airport. And the drive there wasn't too bad. I was kind of like that delirious, kind of tired, like, and then when I was alone coming back to the hotel, and it's about an hour drive, just so you know, to the hotel, to the airport, and then, and then back, it's quite a ways away. Um, that was tough, Pete. It was still dark. It was like six in the morning at this stage, and I'm driving back, falling asleep, going, oh, this is this is No coffee, so, no caffeine. Nothing, nothing. Just two hours sleep. I'd stay up until two in the morning. So we'd done a game. I get pretty amped up after I do a game and yeah. get to sleep. So, uh, yeah, check your app. Check your Ubers. Uh, well, I had, I, I, I had a similar experience when I was down in Orlando two weeks ago and couldn't get an, an, an Uber 
like That's I was right, going to walk yeah. 45 minutes. Like, like literally no Ubers, no Lyft, no taxis. It was spring break. So yeah, I think that, you know, we're like, I think we're, we, we think that wherever we are, we can get this instantaneous thing, but generally we should book a car if you've got a flight to Costa Rica, Brian. He did. I offered him the car. Right. But, 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 but you could book a taxi, right? Like you just, I think, I think that we need to like, when you've got time sensitive stuff like that, I think it's pretty rough, tough to be like, I'm going to get, unless you are in sort of like the downtown or places yeah. that are, are like really busy. So that, no, that I did, I did, I do use that function quite a lot, Pete, the schedule. Yeah. Before I go to bed, I'll schedule an Uber and it actually doubles as a wake up call. If you do happen to sleep through your alarm, the Uber driver will call you and say, I'm downstairs. And you're like, yeah, I'm in the elevator. And then quickly, boom, 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 out you go. So pack the night before if you've got an early flight. Never pack That's the night. That's right. Other yeah. good trick. All right. Let's get into our recaps. Uh, six games on tap, Pete. Things kicked off Saturday afternoon in Las Vegas as New York went on the road and upset the uh, 5-0 and 2020. We can't really say that anymore. It's 2021. But upset, uh, in most people's minds, one of the favorites this year in San Diego, 36-29. New York uh, named Team of the Week for that trip to Las Vegas and uh, really getting an underdog win on the road there. What were your thoughts on this one, Pete? Well, I thought... Um... Yeah, this is one of the games that I watched when I was um, up in the mountains and the wind obviously had a big effect on the game. Um, like lots of handling errors, lots of lots of issues with just trying to have accuracy. Lineouts were a little bit of a, of a crapshoot. Um, but, you know, it was it, it was an interesting game. I mean, it was back and forth. Right. So one team scored and, and, and then the other team. And then, you know, I'm really like. I was very surprised that New York were able to pull away. They've had a bit of turmoil. Um, and what I, you know, what I saw from San Diego, which I think is a bit of a concern for um, San Diego fans is, you know, with, with Rob Hoadley, he's a defensive coach and it was that contact point that was always something that San Diego won. And I didn't see that. I didn't see that in, uh, um, in this game. I saw, um, Rooney winning that contact point. And I think that's uh, that might be a challenge for San Diego moving forward. But, you know, good, good, you know, line out drive by New York that, that we know. Um, but I thought, you know, New York took their opportunities. I think that was, it's one of the things that we're going to, that, that, that we, I think we'll talk about throughout the games is that the teams that took the opportunities um, and were more efficient with the ball in their hand um, really, you know, did well this weekend. Yeah, no Chris Robshaw, which I'm sure he'll harden that pack up. And of course, from last year, Josh Furno, uh, Lou Stanfield, two like hard guys who defend very physically and, and impose themselves on opposition. So with them out of the picture, uh, makes it a little tougher as well. And, Paul and, Mullen, gone to Utah, so another one. And, and I think that we, we saw um, a lot of penalties this weekend, right? And I think that um, when you got into the second half, San Diego really had some discipline issues, right? They, they, they really, you know, they, they really struggled. And, and we talked about in the preview, right? You can't give Rooney those penalties that allow them to set up their, uh, um, you know, their, their uh, um, line outs. And, you know, and, and Rooney had, I think, what, two, two yellow cards in the game and they still came out winners. I mean, I thought it was a pretty big step up by New York. Yeah, who are your standout players in this one? Who do you like from both sides? 
So, you know, I thought, um, I mean, I think Sam Wuching had a great game. I mean, I think, agree. you know, we've heard from him and, and he's talked about how excited he is to play. And I think, I think he, he did that. And I think you're right. You know, I think that they had, uh, um, you know, Nasa Genge at, at six is probably better as a lock. I think that Chris Robshaw will be able to um, sort of liven that up. I think for, um, uh, I think for Rooney, I thought Will Leonard played really well. Um, you know, it was a really, really dangerous run. It was difficult to handle. Um, de- defended okay. I mean, you know, he, he's, he was, um, had a couple of, couple of missed tackles. But I thought that um, he really generated some um, some good go forward. And then, you know, the butcher, Dylan Fawcett, does what Dylan Fawcett does, right? Played the whole 80 minutes, which is uh, um, a little bit unusual in the front row. But I thought um, he was very, very active, scored three tries, um, had a lot of ball carries, um, was very active around the field. What about you, Dan? Just keep scoring tries, the butcher, doesn't he? He does. Like, he does. <laughs> you love that more. And uh, Nick Savetta's on his way. That that line out and that move. Oh, yeah, that's true. That, that so much better. Yeah. Like anytime there's a penalty inside the 50 now, you know, we saw uh, Holland's head playing at 10, good, decent foot. Penalty inside the 50, they're going to kick into the 22. They're going to have Brakely, Savetta go up. They're going to bring it down. The butcher's going to be at the back. Bang. They're going to go. It's going to be It's going to be very tough to, to defuse that the teams playing against Rooney. So, yeah, I thought it was good. Good to see Andy Ellis playing. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll talk about some of the marquee guys. I thought Sicil Africa is definitely going to get better. Limited opportunities. And like you said, they just – San Diego just didn't look like, you know, the San Diego that they were under Rob Hoadley. But anytime you have a coaching change, there's always that shift, right? There's a shift of mentality. And, and I think they'll find their feet a little bit more and – yeah, and I think that like their halfback pairings, like it didn't seem to gel, right? So, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, uh, Nate Osberger and, and Josh Teal need, need to spend some more time together playing. You know, I think that's something that and we'll talk a little bit later about the DC um, NOLA game. But I think when you've got a halfback pairing that have played together a lot, it makes a big difference, especially early on in the season. These are all preseason games, right? So we don't really know what any of these teams are going to be like, but any familiarity you can get in those important combinations like hooker jumper, right? Or nine and 10, um, or in particular, like 13 in the wings, like those sort of like hinge parts, uh, I think are really important. And so when you've got a new halfback pairing that haven't played together much, haven't had preseason games, it's going to take some time for them to learn each other, hear each other's, you know, you know, Dan is a scrum half. You learn to hear your fly half, right? Like you learn to hear their voice. And so when you hear their voice, you give them the ball. When you don't know, you hear a lot of voices and it's very difficult to hear your, your, your fly half. So I think that, that, that was a challenge, I think for San Diego. I mean, it was also a challenge for, um, for Rooney, but you know, Andy Alice is just class. Like his service right. was just phenomenal, right? So he doesn't, you know, he can come out and he can do that. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I did I did enjoy watching him play and, and watch his service. And, and you know, it's, it, it's a big difference in the game. And the person who plays that role for San Diego, of course, is Joe Peterson, their fly right. half, who didn't play. Right. So, so that's why, like, I'm, you know, yep. it, it's, it's early season. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure San Diego have a lot more to give. And uh, up next, we were in Los Angeles, the Coliseum. How good did the Coliseum look? What? And it looked I, really good. Unreal. And I know it's a stadium that's 
built, designed for television and then the, the right. cameras, are, they go. And like, to actually, quickly to defend that last game, people were really critical of the camera angles and that stuff. Just so you know, it was windy in Vegas. The, the city of Las Vegas would not let them put the cameras up. Like, it was like not happening. You know, it's, it's a risk. So that's why the camera angles were low. As long as we get a calm day. I haven't been to Vegas in a while. I feel like it's usually pretty windy there anyway. But hopefully we get a calm day and that, that will improve there. And uh, they're making the best of a tough situation. But let's go back. LA looked unreal. Coliseum looked unreal. Giltinis looked unreal. Uh, if you want to make a debut in a splash in Los Angeles, putting up 42 points is a way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I actually enjoyed this game. You know, I thought um, the, the the Free Jacks also played well. I thought this was one of the better games of the weekend, but there's just so much class in particular in that back line. I mean, like, how do you even talk about who was the best player in that back, back line? I mean, it was, it, it was, you know, they were very smooth for being so early on in the season. And, you know, spending a month in Hawaii seems to have done them some good. Yeah, definitely DTH Fundamova on the wing there, picked up a double very early in the game, uh, but looked good. He, he showed, even with some touches as the game progressed, that he's still a very dangerous player on that wing, a great finisher, but also was able to set up some of his support play back on inside as well. Because they're going to get better. I'm, I, I, you know, you don't want to crown them. It's week one, but they're going to get better as they kind of click a little bit more. And they've still got some players in the wings that we didn't see. You know, we didn't see Luke White. We didn't see Lang Lang Halpakui in week one. So they've got some depth there. And Darren Coleman, Steve Hoyles, they're in for a fun year. It's going to be yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I, was, I was really impressed. I thought, um, you know, I, I think, you know, um, Glenn Bryce at, at fullback, I think, is, you know, obviously a very experienced player. I thought he had a, um, a really, a really good game. But I thought DTH was just like, you know, it's six tackle breaks. Although the interesting thing here, like, so this is sort of, you have to wonder sort of what the experience, the difference in experience is, right? So, um, you know, DTH had, uh, let, me, let, me, let me have a look here, seven ball carries. And John Ryberg on the other side had one. And I wonder how much of that is game plan, how much of that is just knowing how to put yourself in the right place. Like the left wing is more often the guy that comes in from the blind side, but there were definitely a couple of chances that Ryberg had that he didn't take. And I think yep. that that's something that needs to be, uh, um, that, that, that he'll really need to solve. There's obviously a lot of potential there with John Ryberg and he's now surrounded by quality internationals. So it's going to be, hopefully we'll get to see him grow throughout the season. Right, and it'll be interesting because at Colorado he got the lion's share, right? Because right. he was who he was. Now he's he's surrounded by superstars. Like DTH isn't just a Canadian international. He was very successful in Europe in the pro leagues over there. He's got a great career behind him. Of course, you know Gitto, Adam Ashley Cooper, Billy Meeks. Those guys probably know that hey, we can we can trust this guy, and they're still getting to know. Ryberg a little bit more and like you said it doesn't help when they go down his side throwing a ball and he tries to catch one it with one arm and drops yep. it and it's like yeah probably not coming back down like you know in the NFL quarterback throws for a young receiver he drops it he's probably not going to get a target again so um, it was it was yeah definitely tough and then looking at the stats you make a good point there well let's move on we called this one as a close one we said it's going to be tight physical game it lived up to its billing Atlanta gets over Toronto at home. So the two teams that were leading the league when it ended last year, both suffer first-round losses in Toronto and San Diego. 
21-14, rugby ATL over the Arrows. Uh, not, not surprised with everything Toronto's been through. And you and I, I think, both said that this probably we expect them to fire out of the gates as like a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, like a resolute against what they're facing. But uh, it was a good performance from ATL. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I thought, I mean, it was an interesting game, right? Because um, like the first half was was really good rugby. The second half, I think, um, I think uh, fatigue came in, and I don't think people played quite as well. Um, you know, I think that there's some problems in the scrum for um, ATL that they're going to need to fix. Um, but their line out, I thought was really good. And they, they stole three um, of Toronto's line out. So that kind of like evened itself out. Um, but, you know, ATL had a real problem. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about this a lot. Every game, I mean, this had 34 penalties, right? And so what mm. you really want is half of that in a game. And half of those penalties were at the rucks. There's a lot of this ruck interpretation that's happening in all of these games. And I think that... Um, Teams are gonna the teams that adjust to the referee early, like quickest, are gonna have an, an, an advantage over over the start. And ATL, like you know, if you have a look in the first sixteen minutes, let me count one, two, three, four, five, six. Actually, I'll keep going. Seven in the first 20, 25 minutes, that they, they had seven penalties, and um, I think like six of them were for rocks. Like they really, really struggled. And so that's, that's going to be a problem for them. Um, and, you know, T- Toronto, we knew they were going to struggle. They came in. Um, I thought they, uh, they did some good stuff. I thought they played some good stuff, but they just weren't quite, quite as sharp. I have to say it was interesting to see Connor Cook play for um, ATL, having seen him play for um Colorado all those years and I think he looks like he looks to be a really really good pickup for them yeah I still I still think early early days but looking back he could be one of the guys that really went under the radar as a buy of the year like not like a import buy of the year but like a pickup from a team here yeah. domestically I really think he could be all right Seattle Houston down in Houston Houston win 30 24 over Seattle at home uh, continue their streak of their last three opening games at Houston with a win uh, things haven't gone well for them after that opening game in, in history. So they're looking to turn this around. This one felt like a preseason game. Like I called this one down there with, with Brian and this kind of felt like a pre with the mistakes, stuff like that. Houston just seemed much more motivated. They seemed much more committed to winning this game than Seattle did. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, I, I agree with you. There, there was a sense of this being, a bit of a preseason game, but, you know, you look at the Seattle team and you say, there's not a huge amount of turnover in that team. Right. Um, and, and the same with, with, with Houston, a few, a few players here and there. Um, but like, you know, Seattle really struggled with turnovers. Um, Houston really struggled with um, missed tackles. And this is one of the games where there actually weren't that many penalties. So it was sort of weird where it felt like, Maybe even the referee was a, le- a little bit on the on the preseason side. Um, I think one of the interesting things for me is, you know, this the scrum was a bit of a mess for both teams, and um, I think for both teams the scrum has always been a strength. So that's one of the things that I think we should look at um, moving forward. But yeah, I'm not sure we learned a lot about 
um, either of these teams. It's just good to take a win, I think. Yeah. That's Houston. Say, hey, we've got to win out of this, and they'll look to build momentum at that. For Seattle, losing Ben Seema, you know, they lost a little direction. It never, yeah. never helps when you lose your 10, but, and then they replace him with an unbelievable player in Shalom Tonyula, but um, you train all week, you know, you yeah, anticipate yeah, that, and it just, yeah, it just unsettles not, things. Yeah, it isn't, it isn't the same, and, and you know, Shalom can um, – and, and I think, like, Shalom's one of those 10s that there's a really good running 10. Um, but not as good um, like a, a game management kicking 10. And I think that, um, you know, that, that makes it a, a little bit difficult to be, to be able to play a game um, against, uh, um, you know, major league rugby defenses. So yeah, definitely. I think, I think that was, that was definitely a loss. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm always sort of, you know, interested to, you know, look at um, some of these players that, that we think might um might might step up right so um i thought that uh you know diego um fortuny i thought he had um a, a pretty good game um was very very active for, for houston and we've talked about him before but i think that might be a, a breakout um this might be a breakout year for him and um you know i it was it was good to see uh andrew um duratalo um suit up for seattle obviously a quality um a quality player and i think um, maybe didn't have the impact that he would like, but I think he's gonna um, he's gonna be a, a good player for Seattle as the season goes on. Yeah, I think I think for the SeaWolves, they just couldn't get any uh, you know continuity in their play because of the turnovers. They would go yeah. one two phase turnovers, turnover, play, yeah, yeah one two phase turnover, so they could never get their rhythm going. Uh, I, I agree with you, Diego Fortuny. What a game! Okay, he was he was my player of the match in this one. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. He scrummaged was was great. Uh, he stayed out there for quite a period of time. Houston made an entire, like the old hockey change. Their whole front row came on. Their replacement front row was just as good as their starting front row. Yeah, yep. Tiana Rasmus, uh, Solveda, and uh, the last one's escaping me. He's going to come back to me in just a second here. Help me out, Pete. Who was the third um, front row? Nicholas uh, Oh, Kadashvili. Kadashvili, the, Geor- the Georgian. <laughs> yes, yes. But those guys could probably go start at some other MLR team. Yep. So, um, there was a bit of a gamble there and, and it paid off because their scrum looked good at the end. They, they just looked a little fresher than Seattle at those set pieces. All right, Utah-Austin. This one was a nail-biter. Came down to the very end. Mac Mason had a chance with a, a 50-meter penalty. I was like, where's Bill the Drill? Get Bill the Drill on. You know, there was history there. But uh, Mac Mason, just a little short on the, conver- on the penalty here. 30-28. Utah on the road. Get the win over Austin's. Um, I thought Bailey Wilson and Lance Williams, the, the two flankers. Oh, Lance Williams! Like so, so we've been, you know, we've been talking about Lance Williams for a couple of years, and and he's he's shown flashes, but I think he's one of those guys that 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 might um might really break out this year. I thought he was a um a really really impactful player, and he's got the the uh, um athleticism to to play at the highest level. And I thought um his performance was really really good. Yeah, Boston. Who do you like for Austin? I mean, I think it, it's 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 interesting because I think that um, you know uh, Abdul Monum I thought had a had a good game. Um, he's really active without the ball, right? So um, you know he's good um, at the ruck. Um, he's he's very active at the tackle. Um, I thought I thought he was good, and I'm I'm still very excited about um, Dom Aquina. 
Um, young guy, you know, playing eight for the first season. He has a lot of ball carries, but he also is a very, very good defender. Um, and I think that um, I think Dom uh, Dom's going to be exciting in that in that position. Yep. I agree with you there, mate. All right, let's go into your deep dive. The professor's breakdown. It was a final game on Sunday. It was a draw. 26 points apiece. Oh, glory on the road over Nola. And uh, I'll just hand it off to you for the deep dive, buddy. Well, this was this is a really, I mean, this is like one of these games that when you look at the stats, you say Nola wins, right? So Nola has 62% possession, 62% territory, right? Um, when you when you look at all the stats, <laughs> Old Glory had 151 tackles and they missed 22, and Nola had 59 tackles and they missed eight. I mean, they only had they only had 50. You know, they had less than 70 tackle attempts. You could just see what was really like it was just a really remarkable. Um, uh, you know, it was a really dominant performance, but. This is one where the stats don't t- tell the the whole um, the whole story. There was about you know about ten or fifteen minutes in the middle of the first half when Nola really were putting pressure on um, Old Glory, and they had a couple of kickable penalties that they turned down. And uh, I think that their first the first penalty they kicked a touchdown and they you know they drove in and they scored the uh, um, they scored the try from the mall, but they kept trying it and old glory just stood up defensively, right? They just really, really stood up defensively and um, they didn't let them, they didn't let them in. It was that to me, even though it was so early in the game, that was like a turning point of the game. Right. And I'm, you know, I think it showed a lot about what, um, what old glory um, like kind of brought to the table. And I think we'll hear a little bit um, about um sort of the mindset that they had going into the game when we talked to Danny Tusatala, the scrum half a little bit later. Um, but what uh, Old Glory did is that even though they didn't have the possession, even though they didn't um, have a lot of territory, they took their opportunities, right? So they had, you know, and Danny scored two tries and both of them were from a long way out and one was from a turnover and one was from a little snipe down the blind side by, um, you know, uh, um, Jason Robertson, and, um, you know, um, Renata Roberts Tanana, right? Like a little combination, New Zealand combination going down the side. So I thought that the, it was really a really interesting game where, you know, Nate Osborne from NOLA could be like, well, we did a lot of the things that we thought we, you know, we should do to win and we did them, but we didn't walk away with the win. And I think that that's going to be really telling for them. So, you know, um, their line-out was better. Nola's line-out was better. But the the trick for me is that it was all about the 9-10 combination, right? So Danny Tusatala at 9 and Jason Robertson at 10 had played all last season, and they are both off-the-cuff players. I think Jason Robertson is a real, is, is a real you know, um, field general and um, can play that game. Um, Holden Younger and Robbie Coleman did not have that same connection. I actually thought Robbie... Um, Coleman had a pretty good game. I did not think Holden Younger had a good game. And I think it's going to be interesting because I thought Nola played better when Damian Stevens came on. And I thought that their attack was was better. I thought they played with a little bit more pace, but they really, really struggled to um, 
take the opportunities. There, there were a couple of times, Dan, when it was like one pass away and the pass went to ground. I mean, I think there was one in the first half where Eric Howard had, um, uh, I think it was... Um, uh, Tikoi uh, Suva. Tikoi Suva on, on, on the right wing outside right. him. Yep. And it yeah, was just passed yeah, the pass going. went straight yeah. into the ground. And it was going to be a try, right? It's like things like that that I think really, really hurt Nola. So I thought Nola played really well, didn't take their opportunities. Old Glory played with a lot of heart, right? And a lot of commitment and took their opportunities. And that was the difference. And that was why it ended up being a tie. Yeah. Hindsight's such a great thing, isn't it? When you can like look back at stuff. And I, I'm thinking before the game, if I'm Nola, I hurt them early. They have no preseason. They've had no games. They had no training this week. It's, it's 80 degrees here right now. Let's hurt them early. And I totally, like, am, I'm of the same mindset. It's like, hey, we scored off this more. Let's just keep pounding. But you could feel, like, the shift in momentum. And I think I called right. it at one point. It's like, hey, you've gone back to the well. Second time didn't work. Third time didn't work. Fourth time didn't work. Start taking some points here because you could see them galvanizing on old glory side. It's yeah. like, hey, I, you know, the old, uh, what was it? I know I love my Rocky references, but it was kind of like, dude, he's not going to stop. You're going to have to knock him out. Like, it's just, they were just going to keep coming and coming. I'm like, you're going to have to take points here. Well, and every, then from the- every kickable penalty, DC took every single yeah, one. Four, four penalties yeah. for, off the boot of Robinson. Yeah, you end up with 14 points and a tie game. But on the flip side, then I credit Nola because it's like, now you're in a dogfight. You're losing. It's hot. You know they're not going to give up, but they didn't quit and they kept coming and coming. No, and I, I, I agree they with you. They adjusted on the fly and they tied it up and they got a bonus point. They scored four tries. Yeah. So they got the bonus point as well. So they actually kind of come out winners. In a, winners in a kind of. On the right? table. So, you, so two points for the tie, one point, yeah. one point for the four tries. So you get yeah. three points where you only get four points if you win without the bonus, right? So... It, you know, there, there is definitely method to that madness. I thought one of the things that was really interesting for me is the, um, and I think this is, again, one of those things where if this was a week four, week five game, you know, when you come into these first games, Dan, and even with a preseason, um, you you know, and, and we heard this a lot whenever we talked to the coaches, leading up, you know, what do they all say? Well, we're really focused on ourselves, right? We're really focused on, on, on what we're doing. But I thought it was really interesting that, um Nola didn't pressure the back three of, of, of Old Glory, right? You know, um, they've got some big boots, right? So they've got like Carl Meyer and mm-hmm. Robbie Coleman has a good foot. And, you know, with um, Mike Dubalis, who's really a fly half playing at fullback, his first start in Major League Rugby, I think, at fullback, you know, there was a chance to be able to put some pressure, turn them, make them do something, not Nola's style, right? Nola's style is to keep the ball in hand. And I feel like if there, if this was a week four game, like you, where you would go in and you would strategize against the opposition, I think that they may have done that. And I think they may have had some opportunity. But what we actually saw was DC doing a lot of the kicking, right? And Nola doing a lot of the running back. And you could say, well, the back three of Nola's like probably one of the best back threes in the league. So it was just a really interesting contrast where DC was kicking to a great, experienced back three and Nola didn't kick to still strong, but not as experienced back three of, of old glory. Yeah. I mean, uh, Cassano, I feel like I didn't call his name until the second half. And then you're right. like, Oh, that, that's because they don't have the ball. It's right, not because he's ball, not doing but, but anything. Like, you know, but there's, there's, there's some opportunities there to give like, you know, 
turnovers of one of the best attacking platforms in the game. So give the ball to the opposition and then defend. And I have to say, I think what's really um, is overall, Nolo actually defended very, very well, right? Agreed. Like, yeah. You know, there was you didn't one have to try, do a lot of it. That's why. Yeah, there was one try, you know, that was a turnover that happens. And the other yep. try was just really good play. I think they even had it covered, but, you know, it was just one, you know, so that really... DC three, three brilliant players. Right. Tusi Talu spots the opportunity. Robinson with around the corner offload that's ridiculous. And then Roberts Tanana, who then brings in two players, no look offload back to Tusi. Right. Like so, you, you look at that as an opposition coach and you're like, like I didn't get we didn't get our coach, we didn't get our played. They're just really, really good players. Yeah. They're gonna do that to anyone. Right. And so you know, there was only three line breaks that Nola allowed. Now, they didn't have a lot of ball, but you're just like, I actually felt like Nola defended really well. And I, I've always felt like Nola lead with their attack. Their attack mm-hmm. didn't function that well. Their defense did. And, I'll, you know, their defense held out in that second half for most of that second half so they could get back into the game, right? They didn't. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I think Nate Osborne can feel both coaches can walk away feeling good. This is like the way they would before a preseason game, which is like, well, we played some good stuff. There's some stuff that wasn't so good. There's stuff to build on. It's just these games count. Yeah, it reminds me of when you're a kid and you get on your bike and you have like a close call, but they both come out of it unscathed with a draw. And, you know, you're riding down a hill and it's too steep. You can't stop. You go through traffic and you don't get hit by a car. You kind of get to the other side and you're like, geez, I'm never going to do that again, but I'm, I'm alive. They've both yeah, come out of this alive and they're like, we can kind of figure out now. We can move our pieces. We didn't know that don't suffer a loss at home. Oh, glory. Don't suffer a loss on the road. They can both build with this, but just to go way back to your point about the scrum half of Noah, I don't know why you don't start Damien Stevens. I'm not inside that circle to know that, but that's who I'm starting next week. I feel yeah, like he's I not think, starting. I, I, I think the service was just very like, like I think Holden Young gets a good um, scrum half. I think he has some work on his footwork, but the the weight of the pass, which is sort of when you when you make a pass, either the pass floats, mm-hmm. right, or it goes right into the hands. Yeah, that's smack into the hands. Smack into the hands, and Stevens yeah. has a pass that goes smack into the hands, as does um, uh, uh, um, Tusi Tala. They both yeah. have young, passes. Young gets tough, gritty. Really kind of like old runner, school physical, nine. Yep. Like good work rate. Yep. And then like I even noticed like with the Noel trial, Carmel scored. That was Damien Steven jumps out, gets Jamison Varna Schultz interested enough where Mike can run that hard underline, the arrow line right behind him. And boom. And then that that what we see Tussie Taylor do so well. He jumps out and threatens the line. And then Robinson plays off the back of that. Like you said, heads up rugby. Um well, let, why not, let's, think- let's bring the man in himself. Let's hear from the... All right, that's cool. Let's now. do that. Let's bring Tussie Tala, Danny Tussie Tala, into the show. He was voted player of the week for week one. So without further ado, old glory scrum half himself, Danny Tussie Tala. All right, joining us now, player of the week for week one and returning, one of my favourites, Danny Tussie Tala. Big Tuss, how was the game on the weekend? Had the body pull up after a couple of months, uh, you know, not playing any contact rugby? Uh, hey guys, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate the, the love and support I've been getting over the weekend. But um, yeah, I guess the game on the weekend, it was quite physical, I guess, especially coming off a couple of months of no footy. Uh, couldn't have asked for a better start to the season, uh, playing a team like Nola, who you know are renowned for their physicality and I guess they're big boys on the park. So uh, we knew as a group that it was going to be a challenge and you know, obviously preparation was, wasn't the best, but we knew we had to just front up and, um, 
you know, just go out there and enjoy ourselves and play a bit of footy. Body was sore, feeling it, definitely feeling it after 80 minutes. So. Yeah, with it, this is your second season with Old Glory. You, obviously, one of the stars of that short season in 2020, uh, Pete and I both, huge fans of your play there and felt that you played a huge role in, in that run that, you know, the, to, to take Old Glory to four and one. What was your mind and what was your thought process once the season shut down? Were you always going to come back or was there still so many unknowns? Uh, I guess it was a bit of a mixture. I guess we were told, I think it was a Wednesday, uh, we were out having dinner and I remember we, we watched the news and then we just seen the OKC game and the, I don't know if it was the Utah Jazz or some game got cancelled. And then obviously the whole NBA got shut down on that Wednesday. Then Thursday morning, we got a text saying we had to come into the office and and then they told us, obviously, the season was being postponed for the next 30 days. And then I I didn't tell anyone. I just spoke to the owners and um, coach and said if I could just go home for, for the next couple of weeks and I'll be back. Um, thinking um, the season was going to carry on after the 30-day ban. And I flew home on the Friday, so probably straight away. Flew home with just my backpack and not much clothes with me. And yeah, because I had the mindset I was coming back straight away. Yeah. So I flew home and obviously got to New Zealand. And then, uh, yeah, I guess the rest is history. You know, obviously we went into lockdown uh, two weeks after I had arrived in New Zealand. And then obviously things over here in the US started to uh, close down. And yeah, so poor old, um, I guess, Dougie and the management pump and the boys had to, I guess, clear my house, grab all my stuff, all my clothes. And, you know, it was pretty tough for them. So you had to come back because they, they had all your gear. Yeah, well, right? so I, was it, was it being boots. held hostage? Yeah, so <laughs> I had all my boots and everything that I owned was here in the US. And I just, I like, I jumped on the flight with just my backpack thinking I was going to be back in the next two weeks. And, you know, I was a bit gutted. I was definitely gutted because uh, I was really starting to enjoy my time here in the US and I was starting to get into some sort of rhythm, uh, not only on the field, but or especially, especially off the field. Um, because it was like, I guess, being time away from family, it was, it was kind of hard. So I was really getting into a routine here. And then um, for that to end the season just like that, it was, it was tough. But I was, I was quite happy that um, I guess I got to go home and see my family a lot earlier than I expected. So it was good. And talk a little bit about the off-season for you, because you got to play rugby, right? So yeah. can you talk a little bit about um, what it was like and um, what your off-season was like in terms of prep? Uh, yeah, so we, I think we had about seven or eight weeks in lockdown in New Zealand where we just, I, I just trained with my younger siblings uh, and my family, and we just did family trainings and things like that. Uh, and then as, we, as soon as we came out of lockdown, we went straight back into club footy, so with my club, Ponsonby Rugby, uh, in Auckland, and then uh, obviously with the Auckland Mighty 10 Cup squad, uh, we had a few programs running um, at the time. There was still a bit, still um, a little bit of restrictions around, I guess, numbers and groups, group trainings, and uh, it was still a challenge. But I guess we we're we we're quite lucky in the sense that we could actually meet in a big group of like big bubble of fifty or hundred. So it kind of varied every week. Um, but we got there in the end where we could, you know, fully train with the team. Uh, I guess all forty or thirty of us, and it was it was quite hard. I guess. Um, you do all the work during the lockdown, but it's a lot different when you, you're coming in, uh, I guess, into the team environment and you're having to compete compete with others who have been working just as hard as you or if not harder. 
And I guess um, it was it was quite funny because you come in after lockdown and you just see everyone's in the best shape of their life. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, is it like, everyone or is it like the type five forwards are heavier than they should be? So everyone was like super fit. Yeah. So I like, I guess like, I think the lockdown was quite beneficial for a lot of players that didn't like, they weren't quite consistent in training because there was nothing else you could do in lockdown. You, you know, there, there was no malls open. There was, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't really go to the park unless you were going to do exercise. So I guess people like finally decided, oh, yeah, I could use this opportunity to get better or better myself and start getting fit. So I think I remember going into our first, um, I think it was the yo-yo testing. And, and I thought I put in the work and then I got there and I seen a group go before me and they hit high numbers and I was like, flip. I don't think I put in enough, I don't think I put in enough work. And so I, I was quite nervous and I was like, oh man. And, and then so I did the test and I, and I obviously wasn't happy with myself because I was like, flip, there's other guys here that are training better than me. And, you know, I, I'm usually, I feel usually I'm better than them. So it was, it was interesting, like some, you know, boys came out of lockdown, like, man, they were gearing up for the, the Olympics or something. So talk, talk about like going back to New Zealand, you played for Ponsonby, very famous club in Auckland. Yep. And you played um, in the Mitre 10. What, what were guys... Um, asking you about about rugby in the US and MLR was their interest were people following it obviously the season cancelled but were yeah. they following you oh, they talk a little bit about what the buzz is in New Zealand around MLR oh there's definitely a, I guess there's, a, there's definitely a lot of interest from I guess players that are in the Mighty 10 Cup uh, not quite in the Super Rugby but are looking for I guess an overseas opportunity to play rugby full time because I think the toughest thing in New Zealand that a lot of young players coming through and um, aspiring to be professional athletes and professional rugby players is having the opportunity and with how I guess New Zealand rugby is working right now with the Super Rugby Aotearoa only five teams you know that's only five opportunities that I guess players want to or players can make a team so I guess a lot of players are seeing the US as an opportunity not only to play professionally but also experience the lifestyle here in the US because everyone knows in New Zealand like you know, every kid in New Zealand follows American sports like football, I guess NBA, you know, all these sports um, that a lot of kids in New Zealand, uh, I guess, they love watching. And, you know, you can see it, it nowadays in the rugby. It's sort of, they sort of like mimic what, you know, sort of like celebrations and things like that. Like, you know, it's trends, I guess, the trends that the NFL go through or the NBA go through it trends right straight down to New Zealand and, you know, it goes through those athletes. And I think that's what, I guess, interests a lot of rugby players in New Zealand is just the lifestyle in the U.S. And, you know, you're able to get a visa, I guess. You know, it's not easy getting a visa here in the U.S. and things like that. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of my mates ask me a lot of questions about, um, oh, hey, man, what's it like in the U.S.? You know, is it, is it safe? Is it... You know, they ask all, all those questions that, you know, I guess anyone watching from outside in would ask. And it's not until you come here, you're like, oh, man, this country is like, you know, really beautiful. Oh, there's, there's a lot more you can do here. I guess well, me, myself come from where I'm from in New Zealand. There's not much there um, besides rugby or touch. You know, I guess you grow up in, in New Zealand as a kid, you just, that's all you ever know. And I guess that's, that's like here in the US where it's football or with basketball. But I feel as though from what I've 
experience here, there's a lot more opportunity for, I guess, kids growing up. It's not only, there's not so many sports and, you know, hopefully in the next, I guess, 10 or so years, you know, we can grow this league into a league where, you know, all the world-class players want to play here one day. And you can already see it with players like, I guess, the likes of Ma'anonu, uh, what was that, Bustero from last year in New York, um, and now this year San Diego, what's his, Rob, Rob Shaw? Chris Robshaw, was it? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. See, like, you know, players like that, you know, they, they, they and Matt Gitto, Adam Ashton, these are players who are adding a lot of value to the league. And, you know, um, I know for myself, uh, when I when I saw Matt Gitto, I was like, oh, fuck. As, you know, as a kid, you're watching this guy now, all of a sudden, yeah. they may get the chance to play against him, you know? So, I guess for me, that's, like, that's unreal. Like, we're getting to share the field with these type of players. And, you know, I hope that... Um, we can do the same for, I guess, for old glory. And that's the goal. I guess the ultimate goal is here to, for us is to grow the game. And, you know, it's doing really well. I guess it's in its fourth season. Um, and there's a lot of buzz going around it. And you can see it when teams are playing over the weekend. You know, people are just happy to see rugby back in the US. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about the weekend. You end up with a, a draw with uh, Nola Gold. Uh Really, a, a, an interesting game when you look at the statistics, Danny, because they control possession and territory. Yet, you guys look like the better side when you mm-hmm. when you got your opportunities. You just didn't get a lot of opportunities. What was your takeaways from the game? Uh, firstly, and then where are those steps to obviously improve for Old Glory coming out of that performance? Uh, yeah, uh, I think it was one of those. It was one of those games where. Nothing was going to go perfect for us. And due to our preparation with the no training, I guess, and um, the likes of myself just joining the team on the week, because uh, I think I only had my first training run on the Monday with them. And then I guess we got told we couldn't train the whole week. So that kind of like, um, I guess, disrupted all the preparation. But we we went into the game just... You know, we wanted, we told, we told, uh, we spoke as a team saying we just want to compete, you know, regardless of the preparation. We just said no excuses. You know, we're, we're professional athletes. We know how to play this game. And we've just got to front up and make sure that, you know, we don't give it to Nola and we've got to compete. You know, we knew that it was always going to be a challenge, but uh, we knew as a collective group that we were going to compete and we were going to just lie over, lie down and let them take it. And, um, yeah, so personally, I thought we, we, no, I guess we went in with the right intent, I guess, because you know there was a lot of lot of work on, um, I guess for our, for ourselves. But um, yeah, it's it's a hard one, eh? I, like we can I can sit here and say so much, but in reality, it was um, you know we were kind of going into a game kind of blind because um, I I don't think I've ever gone into a. a like a pro game without any training or without any sort of some physical preparation, uh, obviously yeah. with the zoom and, and things like that. But you know, there's only so much you can do on zoom. And I'm, uh, I'm one of those learners where I have to see it and actually do it while learning. So, uh, yeah, so we've, um, we've kind of looked at the game uh, today and, and just picked out little things that we can work on. Uh, you know, there's still a lot to work on in our game and definitely combination-wise, um, we've got to figure out 
what's going to work for us because we're definitely not the same team as last year. Um, and I think that's what we've got to understand is that we're, we're not the same old glory we were in 2020 um, and, and probably finding a new identity and making sure that we're not trying to live on the five games we played last season, if you get yeah. yeah. me. Like, totally. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we as a, I guess, a, as a new group, we're, we're trying to find our own identity for 2021, old glory, and not live off, I guess, what we've done in, in the past. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, yeah we're, we're working towards it. You know, we're lucky enough that we get, hopefully we get through this whole week of training and then, you know, yeah. get it this weekend. So, Well, that's, that's the thing. I, I'd be interested to hear what Dougie's kind of message to you after the game was because, you know, calling the game and kind of sitting back when it ended and, and putting it in perspective, like no, no off-season, no pre-season, yeah. no week of training, on the road against a team that spanked you down there last year in the same game. And then you take away possession and territory. I I felt like it was one of the most courageous performances I've seen in MLR. The the gold line defense, uh, Jammer, uh, Farhana Schultz was unreal. Like he's, he's, yeah, his work around the field was incredible. Uh, It was great to see you and, and, and Jace get back together again, that try you scored that length of the field try where, I think you spotted Matt Harmon from Nola Gold a little isolated on the blind side there. You looked like you were shaping the box kick. You looked up and saw Matt Harmon may have been breathing a little heavy and you went, it's on. And you, how quickly you and Renato and Robbo kind of went down that short side and you scored that try. There's, there were just things out there that jumped out to me. How was how Dougie after the game in the sheds? Was, did, is that the kind of the feeling the staff had as well? It's like, you guys hold your head up. You should be so proud of that performance. Yeah, I think... Um... Because there was, a, I guess, there was a lot of emotion going into the uh, the game beforehand, um, before all the the preparation started, before we were told we couldn't train. I think, uh, obviously, a lot of us had a bone to pick from last season, uh, first get first round last year, first experience of MLI, and then we get we get smoked uh, forty points. And, you know, I remember walking into that change room last year and just being like, like, flip, what did I sign up for, like? Right. this is going to be us every week, then, you know, I'm better off going home and just playing club and being happy at home with my family. And so, and and I know I wasn't the only one that felt that way. And I know there was a lot of players that were really hurt from and took it personally because obviously, you know, we, we pride ourselves in this game, um, especially us boys from New Zealand. You know, we love this game. And, and just like anyone else in the league, you know, we play this game because we want to win. We want to compete. But, you know, um, it was just the way we lost that day and it definitely hurt us. And I know the boys were holding on to it for about a year. And, um, you know, so we kind of believed that going into the game with no training, no prep, we believed that our our mindset and our intent was always going to be like, we're, we're going to go, we're going to go to war no matter what. You know, if we're, if we're told, we, if we were told to play NOLA on Friday, we would have all flew down. Or, you know, no matter what day of the week, we would have we would have definitely been up for it. And then I guess that that showed on the field. If um, yeah, it was it like you know it was one of those games of just feeling. It was just the feeling around amongst the boys, uh, even the new boys. You know, I, like I was I was guilty of trying to still learn a few names while I was like walking around in the field. Like I, I like I was getting so lost and but. You just have that feeling, and, and that's the thing I love about rugby. 
it was one of those moments where you're like, fuck, this is why we love playing in this game. Like, you could put anyone together, but if we share the same intent and, you know, have the same drive and purpose to and the will to win and the will to want to do well for your brother next to you, you know, um, and like you said, you, you start pulling out performances like that. And I believe any team is capable of it. And I think we were just lucky enough that we had the chance to, I guess, display a bit of that. And, you know, and we're, we're happy. We're not happy, but we're, I guess we're proud of the effort that we put in, like you said. Uh, it's a good and, foundation, right, to yeah, build and, from. and it's a good foundation. Like you said, like we, we had no preseason, no preseason head out. We, you know, there was just so much, but we, as a group, do not want to make excuses. And, um, and as professional athletes, uh, it's our job, you know, whether we're, I guess we've, I've, I guess I've learned over the years that as a rugby player, it's much more than what you do on the training paddock, on the playing field. It's actually when you're, I guess, at home, when no one sees and what, what work you're putting in um, behind the scenes so that when you come to the training field and you come to the playing field, you know, you're confident in what you do and you nail your job. And then once you nail all of that, you start enjoying your footy. So, um, and I think a lot of boys here at All Glory, uh, you know, understood that and made sure that when we went in on Sunday that we made up, we had no excuses and we were just going to front up for each other. And uh, Dougie after the game was, you know, he was he was happy, but then, he, you know, obviously as a coach, you're not going to, Show all your cards, and you're just gonna be like, okay, sweet. But that's hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you saying that coaches aren't open and transparent all the time with their players? Uh, Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that sometimes, as coaches, will tell players something to motivate them that may not be actually true. Oh, it's a hard one, eh? Because I, I, like, you know, I've, I guess I've had a lot of coaches over the years with different approaches. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think what, um, I think when Dougie said. I think just emotionally he was happy, but on the technical side of rugby, right? There's more execution and, and execution. Yeah. I guess we, you know there was a lot to improve on because the thing is like there's it's a long season. It's sixteen or sixteen or so games, and if we're gonna play our hearts out every week, week in and week out, we've got to nail the little things and the little detail of our game. And we can't rely on emotion and because emotion emotion and you know i think and that will only take you so far in a game and then it'll just come down to who's doing their homework who's nailing the detail uh you know who's doing those little one percenters that you know when it comes down to i guess moments like we had on the weekend where it was a tw 26 26 all game tied you know i think you know, it could have went anyway, but I feel as though I personally felt if we had maybe an extra training, we would have nailed what we would have nailed. And, you know, that scenario of this is a 26 tie game. How do we get the ball back and how do we get points? Yeah. But I guess at the time on the field, you're like, you know, we're all, you know, all the players, like it was our first time playing with some of the new boys you know, and so we've we've found out certain trends that they have, and and they sort of see our trends and how we get racked up a bit if it's if it doesn't go right and things like that. Because you, I guess, in, in games like that, you start seeing characters of people, especially when you've only just met them. You're like, oh fuck, this guy's actually he's actually pretty tough. Or you know, he's this guy's really here to 
to play for Old Glory and things like that. And that's and that's the beauty of when you discover things like that. You're like, okay, sweet. So when you come in the next week and you actually yeah. have a week of training, you know, you 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 feel connected to them because you're like, yeah, this guy really went to went to war with me in the weekend. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I've only just yeah. met him. And, and that, that's why I believe like um, like we'll only get better and I believe we'll get better and and the culture just building culture and you know rugby rugby like what I've learned is just culture like everyone can play rugby everyone knows how to watch film everyone can do it all but I, I guess when it comes to team culture it's so crucial because you want a, you want a bunch of you want a squad of 30 men I guess all aiming for that one goal. And obviously that's to win the championship. But it's like everyone's gonna be on the same boat. We can't have 23 or can't have Jamma or Jason or Fritz and just individuals trying to carry this team. So it's gonna be a challenge, I guess, this week. Um, and how we approach this game. Cause I I will say, like personally, I was mentally drained, like probably in the last 20 minutes. Like I never felt like I was like, oh, someone pulled me off. Like I told the physio, I was like, Dougie might need to pull me off because my body's like shattered and it was so hot. You know, I haven't played in the sun in a while. <laughs> it was kind of like shock to the system. But I I I was looking around and, and the boys were like, you know, don't go off, just stay on, just 20 more minutes. And I was like, okay, I'll try my best. I was, I was really feeling it. I think it was very one of the very few times that I've been like, I want to go off the field. Oh, I'm tired. Like <laughs> Well, I mean, it's 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 really a preseason game, right? That's kind of like what it is for you guys. You haven't played together, and so in the preseason games, often you know you don't end up playing the four eighty. I, I have a, I, I have I have one more question for you because I think it it um it builds on what Dan talked about. You guys taking the opportunities, and that's your relationship with um, Chase and Robertson. Like you guys both seem to play, you know, what we would call heads up rugby, right? You play what's in front of you. You look for the space. How much freedom does Dougie give you to be like, hey, if you see it, you can go for it? Because it looks um, like that you, I mean, that's the difference in the game, right? The difference in the game was just like Dan Dan said, you spotted some opportunities, you guys communicated and you went for it. And I think I'm, I'm wondering how much of that is sort of like, Dougie, like when whenever you guys go, can see it, you can go for it or how much he's like, uh-uh, stay within the system. Yeah, Dan just gave away the secret. So now all the time. Sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, look for the out, the out of breath prop on the blind side. Is that, oh, is that a secret? Nah. Uh, I, you know, I, you know, personally, I think we're pretty lucky with Dougie. Uh, he kind of lets us do, do, you know, kind of what what we feel, I guess, best suits us. You know, because we're not we're not the biggest players. Um, we, we're definitely a small backline, so we're our thing is like, how do we cater to that? You know, we don't want to play a game where we've got, you know, we don't have the non-sized midfielders or wingers, you know, so we're trying to, I guess, cater to what we have, you know, whether it's fast, small, you know, how do we do that? How do we capitalise on that? And um, like you said, we just play what's in front of us and uh, we try our best to stay in shape. But you know, as you guys seen, Jace likes to run the show, and he, you know, he does really well at that. And uh, yeah, so we, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of just off the cuff. I guess in the weekend it was real, like, just ears, like everything was yeah. just on ears, like, and I felt so bad because I, I felt like a few times I'd yell at someone, but like we haven't, uh, or I haven't trained with them, so like what I expect them to do, they haven't trained it, so it's like. 
so bad of me to be like, you need to be here. But, you know, he's probably looking at me like, we haven't trained that. I don't like, I don't know you need yeah. to be here. So, yeah, it was like, it was interesting. I mean, I mean, yeah. So, so to go down to Nola and to come away with a tie, right, is actually pretty good considering the challenges that you guys had, right? And, yeah. and, and while there's improvement, like you can always improve technically, but like you said, the culture kind of, I think, showed for you guys putting yeah. the body on the line. And, oh, and that's a foundation that you can grow from. Yeah, 100%. Because I, th- I feel like we didn't go there with the mindset of we were, we were going to hang into the game, hang in there. We went in with the mindset that we're going to win and that we're going to like kick the front door down and be like, you know, regardless of what, what we're going through, we've just got a front up. And, and it just brings me back to that whole point of being professional athletes, I guess. There's a lot of us here who have been around for a while now and, you know, we understand what it takes to prepare prepare for a big game or, you know, any sort of rugby game. And, you know, I guess last week was just an opportunity to actually just nail our prep individually so that when we come together, we, you know, we come together and we just we just do our job and you're just worried about your yourself. But, um, yeah, it was a tough game, eh? Just, yeah. It was, it, it was hard, like, being out there, I was just like, it was hard. Like, I was just like, I felt like it was one of the hardest games I've played in a while because I felt like I was playing with guys that I, I just met, and it was just like, oh, like, even though myself and Jason played together last season and, um, uh, what's his name, Renata and all, there was a few of us that played together, but, you know, we, had, we haven't seen each other for over a year, and we only just seen each other the last two weeks. So... Um, no, I think I'm, I'm happy at where we, I guess, started. Now we have sort of a guideline where we can be, grow our game and, and things like that. Now, uh, I guess we have footage of ourselves playing another team rather than ourselves yep. at training. Yep. Because, you know, uh, you have a lot of people who do the most amazing things at training, but then come game, it's not the same. So, yeah. I, I, I got one last question for you before we, we let you get to bed, mate. When you scored your first try, you had a few words to Cam Dolan. I'm trying to oh. lip read. I've gone back and watched the footage. Was it like fresh funk? What were you calling him? I couldn't quite pick it up. It was something like that. Yeah, no. Nah, uh, yeah, I actually apologized to him. I, you know, was, <laughs> it was, I think he tried to slap the ball out of your hands and then came over the top of it. You were like, yeah. uh, weren't having any of it. But that's good. Good passion to the new blokes to see that you're here and you're for real. Yeah, no. Nah. Oh, that was silly with me, man. My wife texted me and said, <laughs> and my wife was like, don't do that again. Like, that is not cool. And I was like, fuck. Yeah, that's not yeah. cool. So I, right. I sent him I sent him my old message and said, hey, man, sorry, man. Like, I probably overreacted. And um, yeah, but he's a good, he's a good man. He, he's he, a good dude. Him. he said, oh, man, it's all part of the game. You know, nothing personal. And I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. And obviously, like, the loss of the... Yeah, the player from last year. Right? So, um, you know, I guess for myself, it's bigger than the game. Um, you know, the game is bigger than my ego or whatever. Um, so I guess, yeah, I look back into it, I'm like, wow, that was silly. I should have never done it. But I guess at the heat of the moment and I guess the context of where the game was, because we had just spent, I don't know, 20 minutes in our own half or I don't yep. know how long. And yeah. we just happened to you know, just get a lucky bounce of the ball and then, yeah. 
And big Mikey in open space looked good too. He's going to want to get a, a freeze frame of that, the big quads on uh, Sosimi Fungai as yeah, he well, uh, went downfield. <laughs> yeah, well, we're lucky enough that he's um, even started the season last year. He played only the last two games because he broke yeah. his cheekbone last year. And um, I think he was one of the outstanding players for us. Yeah. Frontline and making big hits. And the likes of him, Cullen Gibbons. And, you know, we I guess we forget that Uppy Nakatini is, is, is a veteran and... He's a very good player. He's still yeah. Got I mean, he's, it, this is his fourth MLR season, right? So yeah. he's been here. He's been here for the start and a good physical player and physical presence. Yeah, and, and 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 I think that's and that's what pulled us, I guess, through the game. I guess was experience, and um, you know, and we can only like I like I keep saying, we can only get better. And I guess what I guess what the weekend did for us was definitely. Um, put a bit of belief in the boys, especially our younger boys. We had a few young college boys who debuted and, you know, which was good for them and their families, you know, uh, what a moment to debut against a team like Nola, uh, the likes of Sam, Cassano, uh, Jack Carroll, um, Jack Ascaro, you know, a few local boys, American boys. And, and, and that's what the game's about, growing these young local boys and young uh, American-born players. And, you know, if we, we can do more of that, you know, I think we'll be heading in the right direction for the game here in the U.S. Absolutely. Hey, Tuas, get some sleep, mate. Get some rest. I know it was a big 80 minutes for you on the weekend. Get hydrated, rehydrated, yeah, I should say. 40 minutes of it, so nah, it's all right. <laughs> all right. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. Uh, thanks Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you guys and your support and time. Yeah, good luck in the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a feeling we might be talking to you again during the 16-week season, buddy. You're yeah. <laughs> that might be well, true. Well, I got no my, my kids and my wife will back home and won't be over till probably the next couple of months. So just me and my lonely place at the moment. So, <laughs> so, oh, so, so so what you're suggesting are you putting your hand up to be a co-host? Is that what I'm hearing? He's like, Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll fill my time. I'll send you my bank account and then I'll say, and we'll start doing a bit of work. I'll just, I think I need one of those nice shirts you guys have. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk but is, to, there, uh, is, there free, is there free travel? <laughs> Uh, it's subsidized. Oh, subsidized. Yeah, you have to go talk to Ren. He might be able to get you on the Mahi Dog team and uh, get oh, you some man. more stuff, some free gear. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nah. Nah, thanks heaps, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks for having me. No worries, man. Good good luck this weekend. Who are you guys yeah. playing this weekend, real quick? Uh, we got Atlanta. Atlanta, so that'll be a good one. Yeah. So it's just a tough game. That's another physical game. We're going to go into another one. And, you know, those boys are tough, man. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it because uh, I know we played them three times last year. I think, yeah, yeah. three times. And it was Pre-season, tough. yeah. Got them in the last game of the year too at home. That was a good game. Yeah. They, they're, like, they're, they're like similar to Nola, but I feel like they're a big bunch of boys. They're big, big men. Big South African boys in that those two yeah. locks. Yeah, they're going to be a handful. So it'll be interesting. So, But we get to play at home this weekend. And um, you know, so we're looking forward to that. I guess we're playing at our new home ground, Segra Field. Segra Field, yeah, christening. Nice. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. And I know a lot of the old Glory fans have been waiting for a while uh, to watch the team play live. So, you know, I was quite surprised that I saw a lot of old Glory fans down at NOLA. So that was cool. Man, I love the support here in the US. It's, you know, I think if there's one thing that New Zealand can learn from the US, it's the way to support their teams, I guess actually come to the games and watch, you know, I guess back home, it's, I guess people it's get too, away with It's too that. cold. 
and Sky yeah. TV does too good a job yeah. in the game. Exactly. So you're like, I'm not going out to do goal. I'll sit here, put the fire on, put the Ugg boots on, and I'll watch the game at home. And there you go. That, that's why there's no one sitting in the stands watching the games. Yeah. All right, Tuis. Get some rest, buddy. We'll talk to you Thank soon. You Appreciate you jumping yeah, on. Have a good week. What a guy, Pete. What a guy. You know, I, I think that maybe the 8, 9, 10 of um, Old Glory might be the best 8, 9, 10 in, in the competition, right? Because, like, we've talked a lot about Danny Tusatala and how, you know, what a quality player is. We've talked a lot about Jason Robertson, but I feel like um, Jameson um, Fernanda Schultz, I feel like this may have been a coming out game for him. Mm. Like, yeah, I agree. Specifically he was, he was... defensively, right? I mean, you know, so a, a couple of things that, that, that I saw from him, from him that, that were really good. So one is with the new law interpretation of the scrum half, not being able to come forward beyond the, the, the center line of the scrum, every team should have their number eight be passing, right? Because it yep. allows your nine to then be an extra player. Now there's Create no an extra pressure, player, yep. right? The eight should be able to pass. And he and, and uh, Jameson did that a couple of times really effectively. And by the way, now you can run 89s both ways, where it used to be you can only run 89s to the right. Now mm-hmm. you can run them to the left, right? So there's yeah, lots no of ways there. that, your, that your, your eight can be moved. So I thought he did some really good things at the base of the scrum because they were under pressure Right, I thought Nola had you know had had the edge in the scrum, but this guy defensively, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about his stats. So he had 15 tackles made and he missed one, mm-hmm. and on his own he had three turnovers. Right, which it's is incredible. a lot. It just tells you he he's running really good lines as a number eight to be there as that second player. And I think that you know Mungo Mason's a quality back row, you know a quality seven, right? So he's making that tackle. And then your eight, Fernando Schultz is coming in and taking that steal. So I think that eight, nine, ten for um, Old Glory is going to be really, really special. I, mate, eight, nine, ten, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Callan Gibbons now lets Mungo Mason because Mungo Mason was a workhorse because he didn't have Callan Gibbons there last. Yeah, Callum Gibbons made nineteen tackles. Yeah, so now you've got Gibbons tackling that frees Mungo up to be like you said a little bit more of a poacher, a bit more versatile to get around. Same with Jamison. Once they click, they haven't trained. They didn't train right. the week of a game. That just blows my mind. I'm like, yeah, I was worried. And I mentioned in pregame, like the, the loss of DTS on what that's going to do for that back line. And, and Danny mentioned it. We cannot be 2020 old glory. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to work. And we're going to be a different team and have an identity. This is going to be fun to watch, as we saw on the weekend. They're going to be great to watch. But, man, they're, they're – Exciting for but and, and even for Nola, like you said, we saw Nola 2020 and, and, and previous the attacking team. You know, they throw the ball around, they're fun to watch. But yeah, when things got tough, the defense they fell off tackles, they'd lose games late, and now they look like they had some resolve in their defense. Like Nate Osborne's just hardened that team up, and they're gonna. And he mentioned that in the preseason to us when we had him on the show. No, we want we want teams to not want to come down here and play. We want to bash them. Basically, is what they're gonna. Do yeah, and, and, and look, I think the. We saw um, JP Duplessis, I think, grow into that game. I think as the game went on and he became more comfortable, I think he had a bigger influence. Um, I think um, Juan um, Capiello is... Uh, Capiero. Capiero is, is... I think that's a really interesting partnership. I thought Carl Meyer playing at 15. I mean, that line that he ran 
was just beautiful for that try. Like that, that's a big boy coming at full pace. So there's 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 a lot, and then there's Devon Short. Like this is a guy that we've talked about that we said you know has so much potential. Um, you know, did some good things, did some things. I think that like he's going to learn from some stuff. I mean, there was a a big turnover where he took the ball in with the wrong arm. There are a couple mm-hmm. of entry points where his angles aren't good, but you could see the athleticism. And so, yeah. you know, I, I think Nola's still going to be a strong team. Um, you know, I think, like I said, like we've said, these are all preseason games. I don't think any coach can be too up or too down from what they see today. Yeah, i gotta, I got to give a shout out to Aiden Guerra as well. He, he's debuted in the MLR, second round oh, draft yeah. at seven. In, in front of some people, you know, Tonga Weir, Malcolm May, like he got a start in front of them. Yep. And uh, did well. I'm not going to say, wasn't a head scratcher when he got drafted, but he comes from Notre Dame College, like a small, not the Notre Dame College, like Notre Dame College. It's a smaller college. He was great. Some of his touches when he took the ball to the line, he had a couple of nice Yeah, he had a couple of like, and, like, like really good decisions, mm-hmm. people running off him, yeah. So that's great. Like Fitzy and, and Nate, who scouted him, obviously did their homework. Yeah. And I've heard from some of the players in Nola, I spoke to them in the lead up to the game, said, he blew people off the park with his like preseason work, his right. fitness, and like he earned that seven jersey. And I thought, you know, he got he got in a couple of similar situations to Devon that are going to come with experience. But as as a young man making his debut in professional rugby in a game that ends up as a tie, that was very very intense. He he handled himself very well. I'm excited to see him. He looked physically bigger too. Like he looked a lot bigger than when uh, his draft footage coming out. So it's good to see. All right, Pete, we've, we've rambled too far. Let's do our previews. Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, New York at New Orleans. So they're going down to the gold mine. It's on Cox Sports down there and the Rugby Network for the rest of us. Um, are we doing – no, we're not doing picks yet. So should I just run through these real quick so everyone can kind of hear it and then we'll kind of deep dive on the picks when we go. All right, that sounds good. All right, so also Saturday, 5 p.m., Atlanta at DC, 11 Alive, the Rugby Network. Saturday, 8 p.m., it's New England at Houston on New England Sports, AT&T, Sportsnet uh, in Houston and the Rugby Network. Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2, Rugby ATL taking on Utah at Utah. We move to Sunday at 8, San Diego at Austin, Fox 5, KXAN and the Rugby Network. And then another Sunday game at 8.30, Seattle at LA, Fox Sports West and the Rugby Network. Now, power matchup of the week. I'm not going to go play one this one. I'm going to the only two teams playing each other that both won on the weekend. I'm going Atlanta at Utah on Fox Sports 2. National game there. I think uh, the boys in Utah are going to call this. So Jerome and his crew out there are going to call this one in Utah. Both teams won. So they're the only two winning sides that are playing each other because the draw kind of throws a spanner in the works. I don't know. But uh, this that'll be my power matchup of the week. So Utah will get some players that didn't play on the weekend. Uh, ATL, we'll see how bashed up they are from that game. It was pretty physical against Toronto. Pete, your matchup of the week. Oh, my matchup of the week. So, Dan, I have to admit, I haven't thought about this. I thought, like, the you know, the power matchup was going to go the way of the dodo and we just weren't going to give you the the uh, branding opportunity anymore. But as I, as I look <laughs> through these, as I look through these, the, one of the ones that I think stands out for me, which I think is really interesting because I think it's two players that played really well in week one, is the fullbacks for New York and um, Nola. So it's Ben Foden versus Carl Meyer, two very, very different fullbacks. Ben Foden, a little shifty, right? Has, uh, um, you know, likes to find the crease. Um, you know, obviously a guy who has lots of experience and Carl Meyer, the big, the big, guy, big guy, they both have um, good boots. 
So I think it's going to be, I, I, I think as we go through, I, you know, if I'm a coach and I'm going into week two and I look at week one and I see all the penalties that happened, and I see all the turnovers that happened, I think you say, we need to play more territory, right? Because if, if there's a mistake that's made in the opposition half, it doesn't hurt us. But with all these penalties, a mistake that's made in our half ends up being points, either with a penalty or a line out. So against New York, we know, right? And Nola also like really backed their, their line out. So I think we'll see more kicking in that game. So I think those two fullbacks matching up will be really, really important. Yeah, I don't think Nick Savetta's in town just yet. Otherwise, how about that for a line out uh, matchup? The line out aficionados of the world would have really enjoyed that one. Oh, you mean like Cam Dolan versus Nick, Nick Savetta? Thanks for that. Yeah, would have been good. All right, stats boy. We're going to bring in our mystery stats boy, who no one in the universe knows who he is. It's a mystery. It's a. So, how did we do? Uh, how did we do last uh, week? So, um, in Super Brew, uh, Dan, gorgeous Dan, is uh, sixth in the standings. Um, Six. I, kn- I know that Pete definitely changed a pick uh, for Super Brew because he was one in four. On our show picks, and you I just are, do super brew. Don't worry just, about don't, don't worry about the show picks. Yeah, yeah. yeah but just, you are you you're ahead. You're sixth. He's ninth. Um, an additional stat that isn't on super brew, but um, this week we uh, had twelve college products, twenty twenty college products that were either undrafted free agents called draft picks or supplemental draft picks, and ten of them debuted. And then you had an eleventh guy who was a UK college product of twenty twenty. That's Canadian Adrian Wadden. So again, yeah. investment in young talent in Major League Rugby. Hey, very can cool. Still, still sign up. Yeah, sign up. Yeah, Why yeah. Not? Uh, I'm, I, I actually uh, added someone yesterday. So. So, Technically, I'm tied for fourth. I'm not sixth. I just checked it. Tied for fourth. So, and Pete is. <laughs> hang on, folks. We've like got some elevator music. There. I'm going to scroll and find Pete somewhere on here. Hang on. And I'd like to point out that, of course, my stats change because my picks change because I don't keep, like, I'm making picks here. We're making picks on Tuesday. We don't know who's starting. No, Which that's why Super Brew is what we're going to use for the yeah. show. Like what we pick now, because obviously it changes. So you're actually not too far behind, Professor. You are tied. No, you're a standalone at ninth. So, all right, let's jump into this week's uh, New York at the gold mine. Who you got? Uh, I, I feel like, you know, on, on the game, on, on the podcast last week, I picked against a lot of winners. So um, I think, I think that, you know, I'm going to go with Nola at home. I think that's that's the difference. I think New York's traveling again. I think that makes a difference in terms of um, recovery um, and and prep. Um, I think New York did some really good things in in that game, but I think I think Nola's going to pull this out. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going. To, I don't think this game is going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be pretty scrappy. I think we'll see a couple of like um, line out drives, but I think Nola wins this 25-21. Mm, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I think it's going to be tight. Uh, we'll see. Damien Stevens starts at nine. I'm a little bit more confident Nola can win this. Um, New York, though, I picked New York last week. They're tough. They're that a was, tough, that was a team. gutsy call. They were tough. They were yeah. tough. And, and that was a gutsy yeah. call that you had. It was. It was right. So, But I I, I think the draw, like I, going back and watching that Nola DC game again, they were two really good teams. I think the draw yeah. was probably fair for both of them with how they both perform. So I'll go Nola again at home. Just just the fact that it's home. That crowd actually sounded like they were getting pretty pumped up. Yeah, so they did. Good to well, see fans. Yeah, it's good to see fans in there. And let's get on to what, what I think might be the matchup of 
of the weekend, right? Which is yeah, ATL at DC. DC. Yeah. Griffith gets Chris and we heard Danny mentioned that they're excited to get out to their new field there. And uh, they're allowed fans out there as well. So I'm not sure on sales last. I heard they're actually pretty close to their COVID capacity for this opening game, which is great because there was a little bit of concern, right? You move locations. There's a fan. They're out of town. Yep. They're following. So they're, they're, I believe at capacity for this game, which, which would be a great atmosphere. The the last game I did there was this uh, exact same matchup and um, it was great, great atmosphere. So I'll go first on this one. I'm going to say Old Glory. I think they have a week of training. I don't know how banged up ATL are from that game, but I've got to go back and watch. I did a game at the exact same time. I was talking to James Patterson who did this game. He said it was pretty, it was a pretty tough game. Yeah, no, it was a Harley, Harley game. Davidson that's, got dinged pretty bad. So I know how, actually we just got an update. Um, if you watched MLR Access today, Stacey Pace updated everyone that uh, Harley is okay. Uh, but he's going to be out. Like, right. There's no way that he's not going into the protocol for a couple of weeks on that one. It was an unfortunate event. But yeah, that, I'll, I'll have to see the ATL roster before I really pull the trigger on this one. Kurt Coleman out for the year. Um, didn't play. Yeah, that's a big loss. Yeah, so they're kind of. Van Skogvik goes into ten, and I know he's played there, but that's yeah. I mean, that's juggling act now. College career, right? I mean, he didn't really play much until he was selected for the Eagles. So, yeah, MLR ball and and college ball, the the gap is just so vast now. So, but anyway, I'll go DC unless there's something significant on the rosters there as well. All right, New England at Houston. Uh, Houston come off a win. New England uh, from a loss. Back on the road. Well, I mean, are we going to go with with Houston's tradition of winning the first game and then going on a losing streak and losing five in a row? Done for the are they hope. Years? They hope not. Um. So, oh, um, I didn't get a chance to pick for the uh, DC Atlanta game, but I'm going to go with you. I'm, I'm going to go with DC. Um, I think this will be. Uh, I, you know, I feel like Atlanta are going to. It, it, it's, it's a tough one because I feel like Atlanta might be in a pressure the set piece of DC. Mm-hmm. Um, like DC weren't very good in the scrums. They struggled a little, little bit in the lineouts, but they're really oppor- opportunistic. Um, so Atlanta have to make sure that they're really accurate. Like can't have those turnovers, can't give them those, those, those plays. I, I think Atlanta will kick more. So I think we'll see that back three tested. They'll play a little bit more territory. Yep. This will be a really, I mean, I think it's a really close game. I think it's a toss up, which is why I think it's the game of the week. So can I choose, I'm not going to choose a tie, but I'll, I'll say Atlanta wins by one. Until you see the rosters. Until I see the rosters. Yeah. All right. So New England, Houston, sorry. That's right. So, so New England, Houston, um, you know, I thought New England kind of held their own for a while against the Giltinis and the Giltinis looked, looked pretty good. So, I think the I'm, cards I'm go- caught up with them too. The red card of Johnny Poland did. Yeah. Help, yeah. But- I mean, that's like, it's, you know, that, that was hard. So I actually think New England looked good. Um, uh, I thought that, you know, Houston, you know, the Houston Seattle game, like I think we said was a bit seemed like a preseason game. I don't think Houston looked at their best. I think they missed um, a DeWitt at scrum half. Um, so some of this is like, what's, what's the roster look like. Um, but I think New England will, will, you know, keep the tradition of Houston going and they'll put, they'll put away in that game, I think. Yeah, we'll see. They're still waiting for Terry Matembu and Jack Ram to come into that squad. I think when they get into that forward pack too, New England will be able to yeah, play that'll be the a ball big like yeah. they want to play. So that one's going to be a roster one. Uh, I'll, I'll go against you just because my main man, Sammy Windsor, I think this is, uh, I think they'll upset him on the road there. It's a tough trip from Boston to LA, back to Boston, then down yeah. to Houston and it'll be hot down there again. And yeah. So uh, yeah, right. Uh, ATL 
Uh, have we got ATL twice on here? Utah. Hang on. What, <laughs> what have you done to us, Aaron? Um, ATL DC, Toronto ATL Utah. Utah. Should be. Yep. Yeah, it says ATL. So yeah, it does say ATL. Yes, Toronto. also Toronto League. And then, 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 okay, I misread it. Sorry. Uh, it doesn't say Toronto on mine. Does it say Toronto on yours? Nope. It says ATLs. Okay, I'm not crazy. Thank God. Uh, so now my power matchup of the week doesn't count because Toronto lost. So now, the, yes. Toronto now there's no two teams at one. So my power matchup is now going to be Pete Steinberg versus Penelope Steinberg for control of the iPad on Saturday. <laughs> That's probably a pretty good power matchup. Yeah. And Pete will lose. I will definitely lose. Toronto at Utah. Whew. Utah. But look, okay. okay. Utah. So, so, so the question is, after three years of being burnt by Utah, are we going to get burned again? Like, like Utah have been a good team, had good weeks, bad weeks, good weeks, bad weeks, right? And so the question is, do we think that Sean Pittman has solved that problem and now we have a consistent team? And how do we feel like Toronto, you know, living like on their you know, longest tour ever? Yeah. I'm trying to. Paul Mullen didn't play on the weekend, did he? Didn't travel. Pretty yeah. sure he didn't play for Utah down in Austin. I think he'll play this week, though. Not sure. I'm going to do it. Go on, Utah. Oh, go, good go for on. you. The strong choice. Go on, Utah. Come on, boy. Choice. Don't let me down. Don't let me well, down. I mean, I mean, if if Toronto really start zero and two, right? And and um, San Diego, like, if Toronto and San Diego both start zero and two. Like you could, I mean, you don't get much more parody than that, right? I mean, you, you can talk mm. about the change that happens. I, I, I'm, I'm still going to believe in the arrows. I think they're, you know, I think it was like they played a very good Atlanta team. They played them close. They had travel that week, lots of stuff. There'll be a little bit more in their rhythm here. I think Utah are going to be a good side. I think Paul Mullen, if he comes in, obviously big, big, um, you know, scrum, up, um, you know, upgrade. But I think Toronto pulled this off. and But I think it's close. And I think it's close and scrappy. I mean, we don't get many scrappy yeah. games, right? Like, we tend to get wide open games. But I think this is like 21-17 or something like that to, to Toronto. Yeah, I'm going to go Utah. Yeah, good, good, good for you. Here's Well, the next one's another really, really tough. I mean, these are all tough picks already. This is like the second round of preseason games. San Diego or Austin, Dan? Why, why, do you, why do you ask me these questions? You know who I'm going for. Mate, Paul, Paul Oakenfold, uh, the, the Jesus Christ of the disc, of the, the house music scene. He basically christened them, but he did it after the game. So they, that's why they lost. If you would have played before the game, they would have won. Oakenfold, he got on the decks. Austin's inspired. Now they're like, boom, they're going to get after it. Uh, now, there's no way San Diego are going to step up. They're going to feel... The, the heat of, of the this loss week. from from week week one. Um, well, both both lost, so both are zero and one. So both yeah, are but there's a the difference, heat. right? Austin's used to being zero and one, right? Not this Austin. <laughs> They've been zero and one most of their, their, their in their existence. San Diego haven't. I think San Diego's going to come back. I think you know, and we said if Chris Robshaw can step up, then that back row really really becomes something really interesting. I don't think Chris is playing this week either. Oh. So I'm still going to go with San Diego. I think I think they're going to pull it off. Man, we're picking against each other. This, yeah, this I, just, could I, I actually don't know if Joe. Pe- 
if Joe Peterson plays, that's like obviously changes yeah. a lot of things. Um, no, no, no. You can go. Hold it. Are you saying that you might pick against Austin? I don't know. I, that one's going to be a roster one as well. I, I've got to actually. That's the only game I haven't really watched from the weekend with Austin Utah because again, right. the, the timing of it didn't work out. We had that late game. Um, and then I've been traveling ever since then. So I haven't had a chance to kind of sit down and watch it. I don't know how Austin looked against Utah. Like were Utah that good or were Austin bad or, or how it kind of played out. But I just thought San Diego didn't look good. I did watch that game against New York and I thought San yeah, Diego yeah, looked yeah, very, yeah. like a, a rudderless ship at times. Well, I thought, I mean, don't you automatically choose Austin because you're like, yeah, I know. I know. I know. All the time. Every time you Austin. do this, you do this, and then you choose Austin. Austin. Just choose Austin. Uh, Austin. There you go. Okay. All right. Seattle, LA. Do I, I think I have to go first on this one. Let me quickly go. Pete, me, Pete, me, Pete, me. It's me. All right. Uh, LA. Yeah, me too. There's no, there's no, there's no way that LA. I mean, I mean, I mean in like the... if, you know, it's major league rugby, right? So it's probably going to end up being competitive. Um, you know, sounds like there might be some new blood coming in, quality blood coming in for Seattle. Maybe good, playing this good weekend. Good teaser coming up right after the break. Coming up right after this. So 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 maybe in Seattle have some really good players. And like I said, all these games are preseason, so you're going to see a lot of difference. But if you looked at the week one performance, you would just say LA by 20 points. What does what does Seattle do at 10? That's that's my big concern. What yeah. Do they do at 10? Well, I mean, so you know, uh, JP Smith has played 10, right? So that's what they've done before. Um, yeah, but then what do they do at nine? You don't have Phil Mack anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. And you saw the like, shuffle when they brought George Barton off. There was people everywhere. You got I couldn't Ferris, figure out who, was who played That's right, Def, well Def. That's when right. Nate Augsburger got, was it first 10 minutes of the first game last year? Then it was the Dev Ferris show for the rest of it. Yeah. They went 5 so, so. Yep, fair enough. And he looked okay against Houston too. He looked good when he got out there. He's a high-energy player, so... That's uh, I don't know. I just like JP at nine so much. Yeah, no, I mean you gotta I do JP do. can play ten, but it's a it's a like I, I like um, I like JP Smith at nine too. But you know it, it is an option, and and they've we've seen JP play well, and he's got like some good size, so he's not he isn't gonna be undersized as a ten. So that's that's probably what they would do. But I think LA seemed to have too much quality and seemed to be hitting the ground running. Um, at least they did some of some of the shapes they play too. George Barton and Ross Neal on the centers are going to have to have really good defensive yeah, yeah, games. Yeah. yeah, they're going to have to stay square and like be yeah. able to like stay in their lanes and not get not lean one way or the other. Because Gitto, Meeks, and Adam Ashley Cooper are all great ball runners right. and distributors. So right, they so. can all take it to the line, right? Yep. yep. Make, make yep. the defender make a choice and then hit the space. LA. LA, crazy, crazy. Like two years ago, you just don't even have a bet against Seattle. It's like crazy. Now it's like... You got to really think about it. All right, let's do some signing. Seattle, you mentioned it. You teased it, Pete. Teased it. Samu Manoa, he's back. He saw Shalom Sunior and he goes, Lomi can do it. I can do it too. I'm back. <laughs> so Samu, he signs with Seawolves. Uh, again, we'll see the roster, see if he plays as well. Another name that popped up, Marco Keith. So Atlanta with some injury issues in the midfield down there in the back line. So Marco Keith from uh, New York. He goes down to Atlanta. He's got a couple of old teammates there from the New York area as well. So right. uh, good signing from Rugby ATL to pick up uh, Big Barry O'Keefe, uh, rhyming slang for your teeth. And, uh, 
good player. So good, good center, good versatile player. He's been a good servant for Rooney. So he'll go down there and play as well. Any thoughts on those signings, please? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Samu's obviously a, a, a big, a big opportunity. They've got some, um, you know, it's their their back five in the in the scrum is is going to be really really solid and it's going to be very physical and I think that's good and I think Marco Keefe's a good player. He's a good MLR player. I think that's that's a, a good a good pickup by Atlanta. So both both good pickups. I think what we're going to see down as we get through the season is we we are going to see some of these um, uh, like mid season signings. Um, I think, you know, injuries are going to come. People have, I think, slightly smaller rosters. COVID is making it more difficult. So you're going to see some of these signings um, happen as we go through the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's probably going to be uh, something that we're just going to have to stay on top of. Or yeah. Aaron, Ka- Aaron Castro is going to have to stay on top of uh, Aaron Castro is the brains behind both of us. So he has to yeah. stay on top of us. So when he tells me that ATL is playing two games in one weekend. Yeah, you, you just stuff. believe it, right? You just I believe do. it. I do. I'm the old Ron Burgundy. He puts it on our script and I just read it on our whatever's there. So no new reviews, Pete. I really thought like the, uh, the, the, you know, the threat of getting someone on the show or doing something would have helped, but no one's leaving reviews. I only look on Apple podcasts. Can people leave review elsewhere? They, I don't know. they can, but I'm also only an Apple person. So we'll leave it up to Aaron to check. Like I don't check anyway. Spotify and, 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 and the other Get on the socials. Aaron's pretty active on the socials with the Twitter and the Facebook. So get on there and leave him a review there or ask him some questions there you want to address. Give us give us your after the games on Sunday. So on Monday morning, sign on to the on Twitter or Facebook and give us your most burning questions. And we'll go uh, like with, yeah, with the, with the professor. So like what was your biggest question coming out of the week for your team? And we'll have the professor do do that. And then um, if we get a really good question, you can come on the show and ask Pete yourself. And and Dan, just like you said, don't forget subscribe, right? So you know everyone that listens, if you subscribe, that means that we um, we're easy to find. Please leave a review, even if you're just leaving the five stars and you don't, you don't want to post anything. The more that you leave reviews, the more people we're able to find us, um, and that helps grow grow the brand and grow the name of Major League Rugby. Beautiful stuff for the professor Pete Steinberg, our producer Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Power. This has been MLR Kickoff. Episode 82 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.